welcome to the Hear It podcast. I'm your host Rebecca Roberts and each week we're going to be speaking to different guests about their take on how to engage a youth audience. I really hope you like it. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Hear It podcast. Now we're still on the topic of technology and the student experience but this week we're going to explore that from the perspective of student recruitment and all those interactions students have with institutions almost like before they go and attend their university. I spoke with Nathan Monk from We Are Smile. Here's what he had to say. So hi Nathan, thanks for joining us today on the Hear It podcast. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. So um, for those of you who don't know Nathan, um, tell us a bit about yourself and your career and how you started at Smile and what, what it is you do there. Um, well, I met my co-founder at university. We were graduating during the summer of the financial crisis. And at that time, people were people were paying for internships. So um, we decided to try something different. Uh, we had no mortgages no kids to worry about so we thought we'd try and build an agency we bootstrapped it with some cash for some jobs we'd done alongside our studies Um, and we had most bits up and running as soon as we'd left uni from there it was a roller coaster of starting a business really we had a tough couple of years finding our feet eventually ended up in our current niche of education we'd also zoned in on the use of technology in marketing for education And now we're known for uh, flagship websites, digital first recruitment campaigns and everything in between that lives on the Internet. So for the past couple of years, we've been steadily building up a portfolio of plugins and products designed specifically for the HE sector. And uh, we're we're now pushing ourselves to develop those a lot more, you know, 10 10 years in and still feels like we're learning every day. and, And I love it. So universities and colleges are those they're like they're, they're centers for good in the community and so for me I'm not just really proud of the work that we do at Smile but also who it is that we work for. Yeah so and we're talking about um, technology and the student experience more from like I guess the recruitment experience but also the way like students engage with their institution. Technology can play such an important role in that can't it? It has to uh, I mean now more than ever technology is such an integral part of all of our lives and it's a huge opportunity to reach people in new and meaningful ways for student recruitment it can enable greater equity of access uh, can make institutions more transparent and provide them with a channel where they can be more authentic i think uh, you only have to look at trends of social validation over the last five years to see that the internet has become a connector of prospects to their peers. Um, Universities and vendors have have been able to capitalize on that. For me, the pandemic has accelerated the future. At Smile, we're working on projects that are exploring what the future of the prospectus is in a digital first world. You know, if you you go and buy a car now, you, you can't get a printed brochure for love nor money. Digital experiences are now at the point where they can not only replace those sorts of things, but they can exceed the expectations and goals of their previous counterparts. And for me, universities still show signs of hesitation on that point. There's there's a lot of chat about recognizing digital first, but I don't I don't really see anybody owning that. And that that's what excites me. I'm excited to see that happen. And uh, maybe if I'm lucky, even be a part of that. It's kind of bizarre that you know, you have all this skills and expertise and knowledge in the HE sector, but it's taken the pandemic to force some of that 
reluctance and the, and even like virtual recruitment events and I spoke to Dave Musson early on and he was saying like we're going to see some of those things stay because it's almost like forced a conversation where institutions can recognize like hang on we can do this alongside our get you on campus and face-to-face recruitment like I think there'll be a bit of a hybrid now won't there? Absolutely I think these are things that people have wanted and this has been the pilot program <laughs> the acid test that shows that that is what people want um, and where do you think it goes wrong though because you know we've worked together before and stuff but you see institutions often like throw money at like a new product or a new service or a solution onto the website or at an event and it doesn't it's not like a magic bullet it's not going to instantly solve things is it <laughs> oh well no i mean what I see a lot of is some people have unrealistic expectations about what technology can do. I work personally a lot on flagship website overhauls and that university website has a, has to do a lot of things for a lot of people. But some people think that technology can magically solve their non-website problems, you know, their, their offline problems. And sometimes process immaturity can block online efforts from being the success that they've kind of visualized in their head. So, you know, if you've got political problems internally, some shiny tech is not going to solve that problem. Um, at best, it'll paper over the cracks and at worst, it's going to drive the wedge and exacerbate the issue. So, um, yeah, I think we just need to be realistic about what what is technology going to do for us and what is it going to solve i guess the other part of that is around using technology as an opportunity to make things better for yourself as an institution but not necessarily in the interest or the consideration of the student and i think that's where it becomes a bit of a problem like you might have a better website and it might be slicker and it might do all these things that you want to tell them but it's you've also got to think about that user experience a lot particularly with technology haven't you Uh, yeah i mean you can you can if you write the wrong brief, it doesn't matter how good the answer to that brief is, it's always going to be wrong. Uh, so, you know, you really need to get that brief right in the first place and understand uh, what problems you do need to solve, because some problems don't need solving and, and some need solving in a specific way. It's all about planning, I guess, really. What do you think are the basics for teams to consider when wanting to enhance their interactions with students and adopt the right technologies and products? I think that the main thing, which probably sounds odd coming from me where you know I'm a big technology lover, is don't let the technology lead the conversation. This is all about you should be discussing the issues, discussing the problems and and what we as humans want off the back of it. You know, you later find the right product fit, the right technology fit for that solution. Um, so my number one tip, you know, is, is not to see something brand new and go, oh, my gosh, we have to use this thing and just shoehorn it in in any way that you can. It has to be a good fit for what you're trying to achieve. Every marketing team is a bit guilty as, of being like a magpie as well. Mm-hmm. And then like just around looking at like the user experience as well, like every touch point from recruitment through to the web, you've got so many users, haven't you? So it talked about like the brief being really key. Is the user journey and thinking about that whole experience like an integral part as well? Yes. I mean, I'd, I'd go further. It's about understanding 
the user or the types of users uh, having some some universities have got this really tight grasp on who it is that they are talking to or the different types of people that they're talking to that can be really really difficult and and sometimes it can be very easy to lose sight of that as well um, but understanding how users work how they interact with uh, interfaces uh, and importantly how they interact with your content as well is really crucial and there's loads of tools out there now that allow us to understand that in much greater depth i mean so much stuff around remote user testing and screen recordings you know if you've got if you've got a competitor you think's doing some really interesting stuff you can go and procure user tests to see how users actually react to that measure their sentiment and see if it's as good as you think it is in your head because i know that for me very difficult sometimes to take a step back and understand that my opinion is not everyone's opinion so being able to look at things objectively is, is really crucial in that and like I say some great tools out there for allowing people to do that now. So looking ahead then obviously it's been a bit of an unprecedented year which is like obviously the buzzword we all hate at the moment. I hope we're going to see more experimentation from universities in the digital arena at least. Um, I think the virtual open day, if, if that's the, the term that we're using here, virtual open day, was we're going to see more of that. Um, it, it, immersing ourselves in those physical spaces somehow, the, getting across the experience of a university or uh, a, a lecture online is going to be an important part of that. I think we're going to see the return of conversations in a big way about the prospectus and what the future of the prospectus is what it looks like what it works like um and i think that we're going to see some some interesting developments in that arena i mean from from our own work uh this year we pulled a lot of our plans forward for our online event system hijack um and that has been that's been going down a storm with the sector allowing people to run these online open days and events and festivals that's been really interesting and we're we're working with one university at the moment on a new type of prospectus um, one that exists in an online format um and uh, we've been working on things like self-publishing tools for universities so creating networks of sites and allowing users to create those branded infrastructure um, without you know the two-month wait time stuff like that there's so much that the pandemic has really pushed us to be working on that it's it's um it's obviously been an awful year in a lot of respects but in terms of our work, I've found it to be really quite exciting in as much as it has accelerated the future. And, and we have been experimenting and we've been able to look at new things with people not looking at us as slightly crazy and, oh, it will never work because now it, now it has to work to some, to some extent. Um, so I think there's there's lots of very exciting things coming up over the next couple of years. I guess it's a bit old school to see some of the virtual events and some of the digital stuff as 
almost like well we can communicate en masse because yes you can but actually I guess what shifted is this it's almost a much more of a tailored personalized experience that you can provide with technology now I completely agree um I mean technology has has really caught up I think and and now we're you're not kind of building the tech or, or kind of having to innovate quite so hard anymore and it feels like what you do can be accessed by quite a broad range of people um and in 2020 i think we've seen the development of niche communities in, in ways that we perhaps haven't seen so much i mean you know i'm sure that one of the questions that uh you, you mentioned you may ask me, Rebecca, was you know, are, are there any things that I've seen this year that do a really good job in engaging with, with people and in particular kind of youth audiences? And I'm, I, sadly, I'm no longer uh, categorised in the youth audience, but throughout 2020, I've spent so much of my time on live streams. And one of my favourite places to go has been Twitch. And that's known as a live streaming service, predominantly for games and, and quite honestly, esports and kind of connected things like Discord could quite easily be my answer with that. And Discord is a really good example of these niches that you're you're talking about because you know, specific, very specific games, subcultures where they might only attract a handful of people. They have spaces online now where they can connect and collaborate and talk with people just like them. Uh, and, and Twitch has been pushing into non-gaming territory recently. They did some sports, didn't they, over the summer? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's in a weird place, I think. It's not quite dark social, but it doesn't feel like it's had its moment in the spotlight yet. It doesn't feel like it's mass scale public. It's and I think the reason for that is it seems to attract these niche audiences. They're quite public, but they're very niche. And when I had a commute, I'd listen to this guy on the radio, Ian Lee. He, he's what got me into podcasts. And he actually since left the radio for a deal with Twitch. And that was my in point to Twitch. But since then, I've been helplessly addicted to DJ sets. On Twitch, because of course, you know, this was a great place to go for them in, in pandemic world. And you know, it's got all these weird and wonderful streams on there. In fact, even all of the government broadcasts, Twitch has become my go to place to go and watch the government broadcasts. This is what's interesting about that it, to, to kind of try and bring this back to, you know, prospects and student recruitment stuff. What's interesting about those government broadcasts is the chat. So there's live chat that happens alongside the live broadcast, and there's a pretty clear audience that congregates on Twitch. I'm not saying it represents youth market as a whole. Uh, it's perhaps quite a slim niche of it, but the parallels that they draw are so telling. And, and actually looking at the gaming community and changes in gaming business models, that for me is where there's lots of interesting stuff that, that in education we could be drawing loads of insights from. I mean, just this week, Fortnite, a, a popular game, um, it created a new type of subscription. It's a free to play game, but they've got these subscriptions and it's a completely new subscription tier that they've, they've bought out. 
and teenagers are signing up in droves. Fortnite has put on concerts inside of their game, and we're not talking small fry musicians. People like Travis Scott have got you know hour hour and a half concerts going on inside of this game. It's just a totally new engagement model, uh, and seeing all of these kind of young people. Uh, chatting next to Boris Johnson. There, there's so much to be learned in watching that unfold. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying to universities, flipping it, go and build a game or gamify everything that you do, but to perhaps look at these unusual reference points as a starting point for learning something about the people that we're dealing with. Um, for me, Twitch, the gaming community, has been a place to learn how online communities and online niches do and don't work. And um, they're often heavily skewed towards that younger audience. So, you know, that, that, that's been, that's been the, the thing that I've spent a lot of time on uh, this year. That's a really good one. I've, we've not had Twitch mentioned at all. And I think it's a really good point around you know, people kind of switch off sometimes the youth marketing and say, well, I can't do a um, a VR game and I'm not going to... And it's like, well, it's not necessarily about that, but it's understanding the yeah. ecosystem around young people and, and how they're consuming stuff. If you're going to remotely stand a chance of sounding relevant or at least engaged in their world. Um, and are there any books or podcasts that you would recommend us checking out? Well, you see, see, I'm, I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you two then because I have a... Um... I've been lucky enough to meet Joel Goodman uh, at a HE conference for the past couple of years. Uh, he runs a, a similar outfit to me over in the, the United States. And he runs a podcast called Thought Feeder. Um, that's a Thought Feeder. Uh, it's really good. Nice HE marketing uh, podcast. Well worth a listen. But, I mean, if I'm, if I'm honest, most of my podcast library isn't really made up of... Uh, of HE or marketing stuff. Um, my uh, my favourite podcasts are kind of lots of great fiction stories um, and shows. And my go-to is anything that Gimlet Media creates. That typically, so good. yeah, they just yeah. it's just gold. It's absolute gold. So anything that would be my recommendation. Well, thanks very much for chatting for us today. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. that's it for episode 12 really hope you enjoyed my chat with nathan there always enjoy finding out what he's up to next episode we're gonna still be talking about the student experience and technology but we're going to be chatting to guy and mark from Twenty Thousand leagues and we're going to be looking at the student experience from those kind of like pre-conversations and advertising before they're kind of committed to coming to an event or um actually applying to your institution like what can we learn from that experience and how can we make it more effective Um, so yeah thanks for listening do the usual stuff and share like comment um on the podcast really appreciate it bye